I didn't get here on time early enough before Mass to ask the St. Joe's greeters to pass out little visors for everyone as they came in, or at least to warn you to not look at the ceiling. So I want you to pretend that you don't see these giant red flames looming over your heads. It is, of course, the Feast of Pentecost, and maybe you came here expecting to hear that famous reading of the Holy Spirit rushing in and tongues like fire ascending over their heads, but there was no wind tonight, there were no flames, no idea what these red flames are doing over our heads, because it's the Vigil Mass, right? It's the Vigil Mass, and I want to commend you for choosing the Mass you come to so carefully that you chose this one. Because I'd like to suggest that when it comes to the great feast of Pentecost, the Vigil is really the Mass to put your attention at. I'm a big fan of the Holy Spirit, I have all his records, but the Vigil is all about preparation. The vigil is all about asking what's going on in the hearts and minds of humanity that somehow is preparing them for what we are going to be reading and hearing about tomorrow. When I was a kid, I was one of those kids who always took things apart. I confess that. And my dearly departed father's spirit, I know, is groaning like the Holy Spirit. So he remembers some of those times. And one of the things that most fascinated me was how water came out of a faucet. And I used to wonder, how does the faucet make the water come out? Near as I could tell, there was nothing electrical about it. There was no little pump there. And so one day I got a wrench. And I found out. But think about that for a minute. It's human nature to look at something like a water faucet and say, how is this thing making the water come out? The last thing you'd ever expect is that 24-7, there is this wall of water just trying to get in. That pressure is there. It's just looking for a way to break into the bathroom. And when you turn the faucet, the valve, all you're doing is creating an amazingly small little gap. And that water that is just waiting to come in has its opportunity and the water flows. But most of us don't think of it that way unless we're plumbers or we have annoying kids who take apart faucets. We don't think of it that way. No, we're in control. I turn the faucet and I make the water come out. That water is trying. Every second of our lives, it's trying to come in. I'm telling you this story because every time I think about the Holy Spirit, that's the image that comes to mind. It's not as if when we say, come Holy Spirit, right, the great prayer of Pentecost, it's a beautiful prayer, but it's not as if the Holy Spirit is off doing something else and then we get its attention and says, okay, I guess I better show up. That Spirit is always there. All we can do is render our hearts receptive. And what is it? What's our version of turning the valve on our hearts? I want to be just a little bit more receptive to that spirit which is trying every second of my life to burst in. And so on the vigil of Pentecost, that's a wonderful thing to contemplate. What is it that renders my heart more receptive? In some sense, that's all we do in the spiritual life. 
all we can do is receive. Yes, we celebrate the sacraments, we go through the ritual, we try our best, but in all of those actions, all we're trying to do is render ourselves more receptive to the thing that unconditionally we say God is offering us. Well, think of that first reading, for example, right? Yes, tomorrow they're going to hear about the Holy Spirit rushing into the closed room, but tonight we heard that wonderful story of the Tower of Babel. We know how that one ends. Somehow unity is ruptured because everyone starts speaking their own language. Talk about non-receptive. I don't even know what you're saying. So yeah, the language at one hand is, is a good metaphor for that. But if you want to ask yourself, where am I maybe not so receptive this evening? You can ask yourself, I can ask myself, where am I not open to hearing someone else's language? I don't know what you're saying. I don't know the words that you're using. Even if it's exactly the same language we all grew up with, it's as if you're a stranger to me. Think of how non-receptive that renders our hearts. And of course, little spoiler alert, because I know we'll all be back here tomorrow, when Peter gets up on the rooftop and he's, quote, speaking in tongues, well, unless he's speaking in 12-track stereo, there's only one sound coming out of his mouth. What's changing is the receptivity of all these folks from all over the Mediterranean world. One sound coming out of Peter's mouth, and they're receiving in a way they hadn't received before. Who is it in our lives this evening whose language we're not hearing because of anger or resentment or bitterness? Maybe they're still with us in our lives. Maybe they've long since passed on. And maybe we've gotten to a point where it's like, well, why bother? It's gotten so bad. The rupture has gone so deep. We're not even speaking the same language anymore. Well, in our humanity, yeah, that happens. I get it. It's part of life, sadly. But if you want to leverage this great feast of Pentecost and not just have it be, gosh, wasn't that amazing? Tongues of fire, speaking in tongues. If we want to leverage it for ourselves, that could be a beautiful prayer. Okay, come Holy Spirit, but come Holy Spirit and let me hear that person in my life whose language I've stopped understanding. Give me the humility I need to extend myself, heal the shame or the embarrassment or whatever it is that's keeping me back from receiving. Another thing we can ask ourselves is, where do we feel most defensive, perhaps? And where do we want to have control? Think about that image of turning the faucet, right? I'll turn it a little bit, and I'll control just how much water comes out. I can even pick hot or cold. And when it's just enough, I'll stop there. And when I've had enough, I'll turn it the other way. I don't know about you, but I often act that way with things I can control in my life. And we shouldn't kid ourselves. If we try to control our human relationships that way, if we try to control the way we understand ourselves and discern our choices that way, then we're going to go to God with the exact same mindset. Maybe not consciously, but you only have one mind and one heart. 
So the way we learn to work in the world is exactly the same way we learn to pray in a place like this. So just a beautiful little opportunity maybe to say, where in my life am I gripping that faucet so tightly? Where am I being invited to loosen that grip? Lord, however much you want to flow, let it flow. And I'm speaking in very abstract language because I can't live your life any more than you can live mine. But we know what this looks like. We know those areas in our life where we're really good at keeping things under control. We can manipulate the relationship. We can suppress certain memories. We can arrange things because we're sophisticated, smart people. We can arrange the situations we'll have to deal with and those we can brush under the rug. We just use that maybe as a red flag. Use it as a red flame. Something saying, look here. It's a delusion, right? It's a falsehood. It's a lie to think that we're meant to control our world in that way. And on this vigil of Pentecost, before anyone reads about tongues of fire going over anybody's head, to simply make that a little prayer, Lord, help me be more receptive in this area. And then at the end of the day, we have to act, right? Christianity is not a spectator sport. Eventually, we have to act. And then just to decide, maybe as a little spiritual exercise, this is what I want my growth in receptivity to look like. And maybe it's just a baby step. Maybe it's just turning that faucet a tiny little millimeter. But it's doing something. It's amazing once we become just a little bit more receptive, how infinitely more generous God seems to become. Not because God changes, but a little receptivity in the face of infinite pressure goes a long way. So maybe just as a Pentecost resolution, I want to extend myself in that relationship. I, I want to try to reach out across that breach, whatever that looks like. I want to be a little more honest with myself or with somebody else. I want to face up to something that is really difficult or painful because I trust it's not just me giving it my best human effort any more than they were 2,000 years ago huddling behind the locked door. If we want to make these flames worthwhile, and if we don't want to feel gypped, because I showed up expecting the Holy Spirit and all I got was the Tower of Babel, then a wonderful way to make that real is simply to say, yes, come Holy Spirit, but where I most need it, help me be more receptive.